Alrighty, well, welcome to Friday Night Bible Study. Glad to see you guys made it out on a nice day and you're not having to continue mowing your lawn tonight. You've got it all done. You should be. No, you should be spending time with the Lord. Well, that's what sons are for. So, um, Anyways, tonight what I wanted to discuss, because I was praying about what should I discuss, and, you know, uh, I ran across, you know, parables. And, we, you know, Greg talks about parables and para alongside and stuff like that. And a lot of people, they teach it as, well, let's read the parables and let's discover what it means inside them. Let's unwrap them. But I wanted to kind of do something a little different where we're going to, like, look at the parables as a whole that Jesus taught and um, how they're organized. Because God is a great organizer. He He's got everything planned out. He already knows everything in advance. He's already got this handled. And if you dig deep enough, you'll see things that you may not have seen before. And this, can I have one of those lists? So this list here is a list of the parables uh, of Jesus. And if you notice on the, there's, I've got 46. Now there may be some other parables in other Bibles uh, from other religions that may have a couple more or a couple less. But these are the these are, we all know these okay we've been we've run across these in the Bible during our Bible readings and we've been we've been talked about them in church so you may see uh, I, I kind of on the left broke them down and what's amazing about God is here he is he's teaching us like a special thing in all of these he's got them group he's got them grouped together whereas Jesus is speaking to us about uh, in a certain chronology that's how great god is he he already he, he's already showing us in order what he wants us so like the first one um or the well the first the first grouping one through 11 is is really about there's a new sheriff in town and that's jesus and he's come to town and he's paid the price for our sins he hasn't done away with the law, but he's paid the price for our deficit of not being able to abide by the law, which was the purpose to teach us that we needed God, that we needed his son to get forgiveness, to pay the price, because quite frankly, we were born sinners, and the scale has been weighed, and we've been found lacking, probably when we were toddlers, so especially me. So now we've got, so we have the chronology, we have... Um, they're brilliant order and it's the, the new deal, the new foundation I kind of wrote down foundation because this, this is what our faith is based on at this point in the New Testament because we don't have to put our, our um, hope in works so Israel had to put their hopes in works they had to do things in a certain order a certain way, they had to do sacrifices and all these things they had they, they had um, they had prophets to tell them what to do, to tell them what they're doing wrong, and sometimes they abided by it, and sometimes they didn't. So we have a new, we have a new footing, we have a new foundation, and we're supposed to be building on that foundation. And our foundation is Jesus Christ crucified. That's our new foundation. So that is the that's that's the first events one through eleven that we have here. So I was going to just go over a few of these parables, four of them, and I don't know if anyone is prepared, if someone could go to, uh, 
Matthew 9.16 and read it. Matthew 9.16. And then next we're going to do 9.17. So someone can do 9.16, 9.17, and we'll go on from there. I'm just going to have you guys read the short one. So you could imagine trying to put something, something uh, junky, uh, some, something uh, new on something old, and then a tear is made worse. So we see Jesus talking about, really, because he's explaining it to people, and he's explaining, remember the disciples that were following him were not learned men. They were fishermen, tax collectors. These were not from Hebrew high, as Greg would talk, talk about it. These were regular people. So back then, the regular people would think, well, we gotta go to a priest, we gotta go to a Pharisee, a scribe, we have to go to these people, a Sadducee, for knowledge. And Jesus is now saying, we have a new deal. We have a new deal. No more religiosity. This is not just for the religious people. Doing all the works going into the tent for the sacrifices, sprinkling the blood. No, he's saying that, no, this is all new, okay? Don't, don't listen to those guys. Listen to me. So, and he's explaining that. So now let's go to 917. Nor do they put new wine into old wineskins, or else the wineskins break. The wine spilled and the wineskins are ruined, but they put new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Right, both are preserved. See, what he's done here is he's really telling us, listen, he's, he's, he's not gonna, we're not going into the old systems and the old ways anymore. We're living as a new creation in Christ. And remember a while ago we did Galatians 2.20, I'm a new creation in Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, in the life which I now live in the flesh, I live in the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Great scripture memory verse. And I'm not real good at them, but that one I put my heart to. And if I could have like a life verse to go back to, to remember, really, I am a new creation in Christ. It's Christ who lives in me. And isn't that what he's saying in this parable? I mean, really, the new wineskin. He, he's, he's, he's just explaining it right out to us. So, so these are the first of Jesus' parables that he talked about. These are, his, these are his first. And he was speaking to the disciples of John the Baptist and maybe even perhaps some Pharisees. And we know, as Greg has taught, many Pharisees were probably saved because they did believe in the resurrection which is a requirement. You can't just say, well, I believe in Jesus, but I don't know about that resurrection stuff. So, I mean, our hope is in the resurrection, not being saved by the resurrection, That, but because our God came down here, died, 
and rose again. And he's saying, I'm going up there and I'm making a place for you. You know, if your house burned down and, and your neighbor said, okay, you know what? Just stay here. I'm going to go over there. I'm going to rebuild your house for you. You're going to have a brand new house. Everything that you need. And you're going to move in and all your needs are going to be taken care of. That's, that's, that's the resurrection. That's our hope. So when my mother passed away, it was, it was like, I'm sad that she's gone because she was a part of our life, you know, daily part of our life for 10 years. But I can go, wow, she just followed Jesus. If, if, Jesus, if death was good enough for God, okay, when he didn't have to die, I think we can do this death thing. I think we can do it. I think we can. I think we can follow Christ. He set an example. He set an example of how we live our life and actually how we die, and then made a place for us for all eternity. So it's just it's it's just amazing. And so I can think about that. I can say, all right, well, Mom just did the same thing as Jesus did. And of course, my dad did this when I was thirteen. So, but I didn't know Jesus back then. But that's another story. So now we're going to move on. Okay, let's see. Also. We're going to talk about, so he's talking to the, the, uh, the disciples, and we need to remember that Christ requires that we replace our old habits and behaviors with what he's teaching us. So he's doing it in parables, so maybe we can kind of like understand it a little bit better, uh, at least the people that can hear. So we need to not resist making the, not resist making these changes so parable 3 Matthew 5 this is the uh, the, the lampstand and it should make us reflect on how our lamp is doing it says you are the light of the world a city is set on a on a hill cannot be hidden nor do the nor do the light of the lamp or put under a basket but a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. So your is your lamp lit? Is it under a basket? He's saying he's saying here, put it on a lampstand. You know, you don't like you see in the movies there where they carry around their lamps or their torches. They don't like throw them on the ground stomp on them or throw them under a rock. They put them up on a little stand. You always, they always seem to have something to hang their little lamps, lamps on. Or they're, 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 you know, in Indiana Jones, they got a torch and they're sticking it on the wall. And that's, a, that's what we have to do. The other thing is, you know, Jesus, all, he refers to himself repeatedly as the light of the world. He's the light of the world. And now he's introducing us in his third parable to now you are the light of the world. That's pretty amazing to me. The same light that Jesus came down here and spread all over us, now it's in us. If we do it, if we throw it under a bushel or put it in the closet, like Greg does his Christmas presents, then you know we're never, no one's ever going to see it. No one's just like our Bible, you know, let's hide it in a drawer like at Holiday Inn, you know. No, we want it out. 
We want it out. We want our noses in it. I think that's really cool that the light of the world says, now you are the light of the world. So now we have that transformative power of Jesus even over deaf culture. It's a new phrase around here. What's funny is Greg talks about deaf culture, and then the pastor in Florida was talking about deaf culture. Everyone was talking about deaf culture. I'm like, wow, is the Holy Spirit working here? I mean, we have a deaf culture, a culture that hates children. Just like in the Old Testament, they, they were always killing the little children. Oh, go hunt down every, everyone under two. Go, go kill the children. Remember there, Moses' mom had to put him in a river, right? They wanted to kill Jesus. The Messiah's come. Let's go kill him. Let's go kill all the kids. That's a, the Tower of Babel. The Babylonians. Uh, they, they, they sacrificed their children. And, this, and it's just, it's, somebody hates children. And Steve Martin, they said, somebody hates these cans, you know, as the guy was shooting the cans. Somebody hates children. God loves the little children, doesn't he? He says, bring to me all you little children, right? You must have childlike faith to inherit the kingdom of God. He loves little children. Maybe that's why the devil wants to off all the little children. I don't know. But now that, that's the transformative power that Jesus gives us. In parable 4, we're just going to do four parables in this first thing of the new deal that Jesus has given us. It's a long one from Luke, because I think Luke may be long-winded, so we're going to all read it, because it's over... Because it's uh, Luke 6, 46 through 49. It's the parable of the wise and foolish builder. And Jesus is talking to us about building wisely, not foolish. In for, verse 46, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show, show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug a deep, dug deep and laid the foundation on rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it. For it was founded on the rock. Jesus is the rock. But he who heard and did nothing. We know those people, don't we? They did nothing. At least so far. There's still hope. They're still breathing. Is like a man who built his house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell. And in that ruin, and the ruin of that house was great. So not just, the house just wasn't wrecked, just a little bit. It was great. So when you build things in this world, of this world, and not with the kingdom of God in mind, it will be wrecked. The Bible says that 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 our, our works will be uh, judged by fire and be burned up, the ones that are not for the kingdom. So all these little plans that we have and all the things that we do for this world, we ain't, we ain't taking it with us. So it's not going to the kingdom with us. I look at as all my mom's things uh, in the house. I'm like, wow, she has, a, she has a lot of stuff, you know? And I'm thinking now she didn't get to take it to heaven. This jewelry box, her watch that she loved, these, these little things. 
uh, didn't make it to heaven. We need to make sure that we're filling ourselves with the things of God instead of the things of this world. Yeah, you know, you got to have shoes, okay? So you got to have clothes, you got to have food. But we need to be, we don't want to leave just a bunch of junk behind where people go, wow, this is, this is dad's life. There's his bowling ball, you know? There's this, there's this, there's that. No, what did dad leave us? These Bibles, you know, he was writing in them, filled them up. What did he, I want them to think, think about uh, Jesus when they think of dad. Not that I am Jesus, but think that I walk with Jesus. Like I told my daughter today, I was talking to her. I said, you know, well, I'm nervous. I got to teach tonight. So she said, don't worry about it, dad. I'm sure you dream scriptures about Jesus at night. <laughs> that was funny. That's my daughter's opinion of me, which is good. I don't always dream scriptures of Jesus, okay? So, um, I, songs of Jesus, yes, praise songs, but uh, anyways. So, light of the world. Okay, so, so we read that one. This, this parable... This last parable that we read, this building one, is, the in, is at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Is what uh, Jesus' final message of which he illustrated the parable of building the house. So the Sermon on the Mount, just kind of like a little backstory, isn't the sermon was intended uh, to identify the ways which followers of Jesus should behave and live life. So when you're looking at a parable, you know, this is something that Jesus said to get me to heaven. Because that's, that's what God's plan is to get you to heaven. Not to give you your best life now. Not to give you everything that you want. Not to, let you, not to make you live forever. Cure every disease that you have, every sickness. If your arm falls off, it's torn off. It's not to bring back a new arm. It's to save you. If he has to, I would tell people, listen, if he has to, you know, if you're drunk and you go off the road and you smash into a tree, you smash into a tree, you're paralyzed. Jesus is not going to make you unparalyzed, most likely. He is, he's, but he's going to say, here, Joe, you ready now? I know you can't move your arm. I'll move it. <laughs> and he'll take your hand and, and, he will bless you. And then you will live the rest of your life until the day that he says it's time for you to go home. And then you will take your crowns and you will lay it at the foot of Jesus. And you will worship him and you will be loved by God in heaven for all eternity. Wow. Who cares about being paralyzed, right? <laughs> Who cares? Because the end game, God's end game. So when life, is, when life gets rough, what I like to remember is God's end game is to get me to heaven. So if I'm going through tough times, then I know that, okay, well, God has this for me. When I hit a red light, I used to get so furious when I hit a red light. When I had to sit in traffic, I got so furious, I would be crazy serious, okay? But now I go, wow, I guess I need to slow down. Or, wow, thank you, Jesus, for that red light. Because something bad might have happened to me had I not had that red light. And I was, oh, yeah, look at that. We don't, we don't know all these things. But I trust God with everything, and that's what we need to do, and that's what, he, that's what he wants us to do. 
So that's, that's what the Sermon on the Mount was, was for, living a life acceptable to God. Why? Because of his gracious invitation to enter the kingdom of God, where we were barred before. Where we, we were not going to get to heaven. So Jesus wants us to do what he says and apply it to our lives today and every day. A daily, this is Jesus' blueprint to build a solid house. Okay, so next we're, we're going to go into the next section of our list here, which is kingdom. So the disciples, of course, want to know what heaven's like. Everybody does. I mean, you should care what heaven's like, right? You want to go there and spend an eternity. So Jesus is going to explain it. So we're going to go to the first kingdom of heaven um, parable. It's, oh, good. We don't need data, but thank you. We, um, so we're going to, I'm going to read uh, Matthew 13, 24 through 30 and 36 through 43. Because this is, um, this is an important message about the weeds and the tares, or the tares and, 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 and um, the wheat, okay? So uh, Matthew 13, 24 through 30, and 36 through 43. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like, okay, well, I guess that's what he's going to talk about, right? A man who sowed good seed in his field. Okay, let's reflect. Are we sowing good seed in our field? But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among them, and the wheat among the wheat, and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. You know, it's kind of like my grass. When as soon as the grass grows, so do the dandelions. I'm like, I hate you guys. <laughs> But I can't, I'd like, to kill, I'd like to kill the dandelions, but I can't kill them without killing my grass, at least with my chemicals. So, so the servants came, of the owner came and said to him, Sir, do you not sow good seed in your field? They're like, going, hey, Joe, did you, why'd you put dandelions in your field? <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't put dandelions. The enemy did. Sir, did you not sow good seeds in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to him, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us to go and gather them up? But he said, no, lest you, while you gather up the tares, you will also uproot the wheat with them. That's just like my lawn, folks. Let, let them both grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them into bundles, burn them but gather the wheat into my barn. So this is, pretty, this is pretty symbolic. We're not really going to go into a lot of detail on this, but this had some interesting points that I thought. Um, so who are the characters in this parable? Okay, so we got the sower. Who's the sower? Jesus. Okay, he spreads his redeeming seed and the true believers. Then we have the owner. God is the creator of heaven and the earth, the field, the world, where Jesus has been planting, getting ready for the harvest. We have the seeds. So, like, we're the seeds in the kingdom of, of heaven, okay? And then we have the unbelievers uh, that, um, that, that follow the devil 
And they're, they're going to be the terrorists. But I'm getting ahead of myself. The enemy, Satan, El Diablo, bedeviled. The Reapers. Who are the Reapers? So we all, in the, in the world, we talk about the, the Grim Reapers coming. We're all, we don't want to see the Grim Reaper. Well, in, in this, the Reapers are the angels. Because this is really talking, this is really talking about future prophecy about when Jesus comes. So uh, the reapers is angels, and they will weed out all, all the kingdom, everything that causes sin, and all who do evil. All. Hear that? It said all. You want to get your calculator up? All? I have to do that for, for uh, Greg. So then we have the harvest. The children of God, their souls... Okay, so they're souls, and when we are resurrected, our bodies will also be resurrected. Uh, we have the harvesters. See, and the harvesters, the, the harvest will be at the end of the age. The harvest isn't now. The harvest is going to be later, at the end of the age. We see a lot of that in like Matthew 24 and 25. The, har the harvesters are in, and, and what we're really talking about is the other character, the rapture which is really an event. So that, that was, that was the, the kingdom principle part. So he, he wanted to tell us about what is the kingdom going to be like. So there, and there will be no, there will be no tares, there will be no weeds among the wheat in heaven. But for now, God's saying, leave it alone. I'm going to deal with it. That neighbor, mm, don't worry. I'm working on it. You just be available. You're not, you're not going to do any harvesting. You're not going to do any reaping. You don't have to worry about that stuff. Just do the walk that you need. So just a little quick review. We're gonna, um, we've got a foundation. So that's the first 11. Now, then we had kingdom of heaven principles. And the next ones are behavior. So he wants to instruct us in behavior. So it is fitting that Jesus would start with this parable, the Good Samaritan, in Luke 10, 25 through 42. I'll read it because it's long. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What, it is, writ what is written in the law? What is, it, what is your reading of it? So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, said to, said to Jesus. And who is my neighbor? I guess he wanted some clarification. Then Jesus answered him, a certain man went down to Jerusalem, to Jericho, and he fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounding him, and departed him, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a certain priest came down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by and on the other side, and on the other side to stay away from him. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, he came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. 
Good word. So, so he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and he set him on his own, own animal, brought him to an inn, took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was the neighbor to whom who he fell among thieves? And he said, He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus gave the instruction, Go and do likewise. Jesus gives us more parables um, on this subject of behavior. And we're not going to go through them all. But I'm just going to label them out. So we have the next, the, the next one, the number 25, was a friend in need. We have the lowest seat in the feast, an invitation to a great banquet. The cost of discipleship. And I thought, you know, we don't, sometimes we don't weigh out the cost of discipleship, but it's, it's a big cost because we have to give up the world. We have to not be conformed to this world. Jesus didn't say don't live in this world because he lived in this world. But do not be conformed to this world. So giving up this world. You know, the more I know Jesus, the less I like this world. <laughs> and how, the easier it gets to give up this world. So uh, then we have a couple more parables. The lost sheep. Sheep is sinners. Then we have the, the lost prodigal son. Really about grace and forgiveness. God's grace and forgiveness towards us and the, and the grace and forgiveness we need to give to others. And then the, um, the 32nd one, the shrewd manager. What are we doing with what God, is, with what God has given us? So the finale, okay? I know you guys love the finale. Uh, it's judgment. Oh, not that finale. We don't love that finale. But he he goes on. There's, there's several that we have listed here. I'm not going to go through them all. I'm going to just like go quickly over it to kind of refresh our memories to the judgment parable. So now, now that he's talked to us about the New Deal, uh, told us about heaven, told us how we should act, now he's going to tell us the end game. What does it take to get there? What What is it going to be? Let's have some examples. So he gives us the rich man and Lazarus. Okay? So we remember Lazarus. He had nothing. He was, he was uh, I think that was in Bible reading a couple days ago. I think he was like eating uh, food from the leftovers from dogs or something. Uh, then we have the workers in the vineyard, early and late. We should all remember that one. We all feel that way when someone gets hired or something like that. What do you mean they've got a raise above me? I've been here. I've been working longer. No, it's, it's, these are all, we can use these today to remember what our attitude should be. How about, how about, well, Bob, you know, I've been living a Christian life all this time, serving the Lord, and look, Bob just, you know, he just, met, he just said a prayer and got to go to heaven. He got jumped in, he got to live like a heathen his whole life. Wow, I wish I could live like a heathen. <laughs> <laughs> but why would we want to live like it? I'm saying we were, we're ridiculous when we start thinking like that. But that's our sin nature. 
that we instantly want to like go, oh, look, he jumped ahead of the line. Just like, you know, when you're in a line for something, you don't like it when people like get in the head of the line. I try to go, who cares? I'm not in a hurry. You must be in a real big hurry. So uh, let's see. Then we have the uh, persistent widow and the crooked judge and the praying Pharisee and the tax collector. We might remember the, the woman. She, she wanted this judge to avenge the wrongs done to her, and this judge did not care one iota about her or her problems. But uh, he, wasn't a, he wasn't a godly man. But she was persistent. And, he's, and he was like, you know what, I think um, I'm just going to take care of this godly woman and, and get this done. So he ended up doing it. So God even used an unbeliever to help a believer. And so we, can, we'll, we see that in our life, how God uses everybody, whether they're evil or good, quote unquote, um, and the, the Pharisee and the tax collector, you may remember the Pharisees like, what a good guy I am, you know, I did all this stuff and I'm certainly going to heaven. And then, then we have the tax collector, forgive me, I'm not, I'm not even worthy to go to heaven. And Jesus is like, you're going to heaven, I don't know about you. Then we have the king's servants, um, given money. We have the two sons. One obeys, one does not. Wicked tenants. Invitation to a wedding banquet. See, as we're, we're getting towards the, the end game here, because there is going to be a wedding that we need to be preparing ourselves for. Uh, signs from the fig tree. The wise and foolish servants. The wise and foolish virgins. Remember them? Yeah. Can I borrow your oil in your lamp now that Jesus is coming, you know? Can I have that? I know you've been working for it and saving for it. And you know what they said? They said, go get your own. <laughs> get your own. Because that's what it's going to be like when Jesus comes. It's going to be like, it's going to be too late. They're not, they don't have to be mean about it. It's too late. When Jesus comes, it's too late. If you're either uh, there or gone. And we just watched, what was that movie? Um, the no, it was uh, the the other one. It was uh, no, 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 no. It was before the raft. No, it was the time machine or time something oh, time, time changer. Time changer, where the the guy that goes back in time, he's like saying, "Jesus is coming! Jesus is coming!" He's just trying to buy time, and the lightning starts going, and the lightning starts going, and he disappears. And the two guys that were harassing him the whole movie are like, "Oh, I think we just missed the rapture." That's what it could be like. I think I just missed the rapture. That guy just disappeared. I think I just missed the rapture. That's what we do not want to. I'm like, oh my God, don't you watch this whole movie and see that. That's, that's, that's scary. We don't want it. So we have um, the foolish servants. The, the servants must be watchful. Jesus wants us to be watchful. Keep watching the signs of the times, the end days, the end of the age. The end of the world. The Bible says, in the, uh, the, the earth and the heavens shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. It's going to endure forever. I think there's a song about that. The word endures forever. Yeah. So all of this is temporal. We're temporal as a body, but our souls are eternal. So we're, 
we're uh, souls with a body, as Greg likes to say. So then we have uh, 45, the three servants given talents. Remember that uh, we gave them each an equal amount, and uh, some did something, some did more, and some did buried it. Yeah. So whatever, you know, Jesus has been good to us. Let's not bury what he's given us. We need to share it. We need to share it with other people. So parable 45, which kind of uh, brings us right around back to parable number one in a way. Parable number one, if you remember, we started with planting seeds and the, the, the tares in the wheat. Now, he ends in judgment with the sheep and the goats. So now he's changed the, the wheat and tares to sheep and goats. So this is Matthew 25, 31 through 46. I will read it. And I did it just properly. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, not our glory, his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. His glory, again, it's all his. Everything is his. He wants you to know that. It's his. Not ours. He's sharing with us, but it's his. All nations, not some, all nations will be gathered before who? him. And he will separate them one from the other, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand. Yeah, that would be, Peter would be happy about that. Wanted to be on the right hand. And the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then Jesus gives us a little surprise in the final verses for the righteous, the people that believe that they're righteous, in verses 37 through 39. He says, then the righteous will answer him, but most likely self-righteous. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you uh, with, uh, with a stranger and take you in, and naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? They're, they're oblivious, aren't they? They're, they're, these people are oblivious. These people are oblivious. And, um, sorry, should have put my finger on where I left off. And did not minister to you. And then he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. He wants us to do his work. And these will go away into everlasting punishment but the righteous into eternal life now that's not just just a parable that's not just a parable but an end of time logical okay, one of these days I'll say that 20 times fast right 
It's a, it's a vision of real events that are going to happen. He's actually saying, this is, this is what's really going to happen. Yeah, we've, we've mixed you guys into this end game, but there's going to be a judgment, and this is what it's going to look like. I will invite the sheep in. I will set them at my right side. I will set these other goats to my left and cast them into the lake of fire. So that's, that is just, that's just a fact. So Jesus instructs us with the parables, but warns of the real future event, judgment, eternal life in heaven or hell. So again, review. The first parables that Jesus taught us was the new deal, paid by his blood. Number two, the goal, new foundation. Start building it, Christ-centered. The new goal, the, the, that's the goal. Uh, heavenly principles. So we want to, we, he teaches us our behavior. Okay, it wasn't enough that he actually lived it. He actually tells us in parables how to deal with things that we have to deal with. And then he deals with judgment. The coup d'etat, the end. So if you have ears to hear this, then you understand. God is good. He's organized. Much more organized than I am. And if you look deep in his word, you can see clearly, step by step, baby steps that he's working. Look at the disciples, how much baby steps we had that he had to do with Peter and the gang, right? Doubting Thomas. I won't believe until I stick my finger in you. Okay, sure, go ahead. Right, he deals with us. He's dealing with us, and he'll do it. So these, these teachings should stir you to go, okay, so let's see. I got the new deal. This is what heaven's going to be like. And he's told me he's made a place for me. He's given me the new behaviors that I need to be practicing and living out every day. And then he's told me what judgment is going to be like. And it's going to be good for me. <laughs> because I'm going to be at his right hand. Because I'm going to do the things that he said to do. I'm not going to hear, why do you call me Lord, Lord, having not done the things I said to do? Depart from me, I never knew you, and hurl you into a lake of fire. We're going to hear, job well done, my faithful servant. Welcome into my rest. That's what we want to hear. Lord, we thank you that we have this time together to, to review your word. Pray that it touched hearts, that it gave wisdom. May your Holy Spirit fall on each and every person here. And that, that each ear would hear what they needed to hear. And that it would lead them to your kingdom principles of your end goal to save our souls. Whom you died for even when we were enemies. We just thank you again for this day and this time together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen.